What a blessing to have those chairs we've been on the last two weeks replaced. Um, we still got some sound stuff that's coming. It's all going to be down here eventually, but we're, it's about a month away from becoming everything. So, um, But thank you to everybody that worked on getting these here and doing all this work, and uh, none of it was done by me. So that's what you need to know. All right, here we go. Acts chapter 8. Now, for some time, a man named Simon had practiced sorcery in the city and amazed all the people of Samaria. He boasted that he was someone great, and all the people, both high and low, gave him their attention and exclaimed, This man is rightly called the great power of God. They followed him because he had amazed them for a long time with his sorcery. But when they believed Philip, as he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Simon himself believed and was baptized, and he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and miracles he saw. When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria had accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers that they would receive the Holy Spirit, because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. Just a point of clarification, every believer has the Holy Spirit. This is Luke referencing the second experience that they had experienced with the speaking in tongues, and um, so that's, that was what they, were, that they hadn't received yet. Uh, then Peter and John placed their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw that the Spirit was given at the laying on of, hand, of the apostles' hands, he offered them money and said, Give me also this ability, so that everyone I, whom I lay hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. Peter answered, May your money perish with you, because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry. Because your heart is not right before God. Repent of this wickedness and pray to the Lord in the hope that he may forgive you for having such a thought in your heart. For I see that you are full of bitterness. The, the Greek there is you, are, you have the gall of bitterness. And you're captive or in bondage to sin. Then Simon answered, pray to the Lord for me so that nothing you have said may happen to me. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you for your word. You are the only one that can explain it to each heart. Holy Spirit, you are the true teacher. We welcome you here. Hide me behind the cross so that we can hear you, we can experience you, and we can respond to you. Lord, we will give you all the glory for every good thing that happens here. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So we are in a series in the book of Acts called The Holy Spirit in You. And today's message, the title is Living Free from the Demonic. Here is a guy, Simon the sorcerer, who had been in darkness for a long time, had, had traveled in darkness, had been used in witchcraft and all kinds of evil stuff, but then he repented. He believed, and he was baptized by Philip. And at some point later, Peter and John come down, and it's very confusing, but 
the one who's already been saved is still bound. The one who's already believed in Jesus and got baptized is, 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 is bound up by stuff and is dealing with stuff. And it's, it's what's going on here? Well, I will grant to you that it is very confusing to us and to the world when Christians who have given their lives to Christ and are following Christ don't reflect him in how they live their life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, the old is gone and the new is here in Christ. But is it gone? And why, why do we see so much of the old and we're supposed to be new but we're old? And what's going on with believers? Do you remember when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead? He did something in Lazarus that only God could do. And Lazarus came out of that tomb and he is absolutely alive. But he's still got grave clothes all around. He's still bound. Sometimes believers are genuinely saved. But they are still bound. And God wants every believer free from the demonic in every way. And so, living free from the demonic. Here's point one. Accepting an alternate reality. So this Friday night, Alice and I and a few, few, a few people from the church are going to Richland Center to see a guy named Blake Healy. And... Uh, it's a fellow, kind of a sister church. They were, they, some of them came over. Their pastor came over here. Mike uh, Brenninger came over here for intimacy with God. And I told them, you're bringing Blake Keeley. We're going to come. So here's the story about Blake Keeley. We were given this book. This is years ago called The Veil, V-E-I-L, from this guy named Blake Keeley. And somebody told us all about it and said, you, you have to read this book. And, and so... Uh, we were going to take a week to go down to Kansas City and, and pray for a week. And, and Alice said, I want us to read this book while we're, down, while we're uh, traveling. And I'm like, okay, let's do that. And um, the book is wild. This, this, at a very young age, the, the veil between the spirit world and the regular world was torn down, and this guy has seen demons and angels all of his life, and it's his story, and, and, and it actually ends up being a very encouraging book, but there's lots of stuff that's difficult and troubling in it, and, um, but God prepared me to read this book. I don't think I would have been open. It's so experiential. I don't think I would have been fully open to it except the night before I have this dream. And in the dream, I am preaching this message on how to cast out demons. And point one is, if you're going to have success in casting out demons, you have to accept an alternate reality. You have to accept that we are not just what we see, and it's not just about our five senses and what we sense, that there is a spirit world. There really are angels, or there really are demons, and there is this alternate reality. And so I wake up about this 
truth of you got to start by accepting an alternate reality and then Alice says I want to drive you read and so she's driving and I'm reading this book and it's all about the alternate reality it's all about the the spirit with the the world that's going on behind what we can physically touch and see and hear and uh, his, his story is crazy. He tells some of the things that happened when he was a young boy. And one night, I'm reading this to Alice. He is, uh, he's listening to Christian music. And all of a sudden, the, the music that comes through the radio is, is, is a different song. And it's dark, and it's, it's demonic. And he's, he becomes very afraid. So he unplugs the radio but the song keeps playing. And as I read this, we're going 70 miles an hour down the highway. Our, the, electricity, the electric system in our car completely goes out. The car is dead, and we're just coasting. And, and Alice is like, honey, I, I, have, I have no power. And I'm like, just, just pull over. And so she pulls over, and I say, I say, I'm, I'm going to drive now. And she gets out, comes over to my side. I go over to her side. And I am filled with the Holy Spirit, with divine, righteous anger. I sit down in the, drive, the, 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 the seat, and I say, and I don't say it. I yell it. Devil, get your hands off of this van in Jesus' name. Kid you not. Start it up. We had that van for five more years. We never had another problem with the electrical system. The alternate reality. Peter believed in the alternate reality. He believed the Christians genuinely called by God, following God, could get over into the wrong realm. He, he himself experienced this. Right, when, right after he gets called to be the top apostle, and I'm going to give you the keys, and I, I'm changing your name to Peter, and all this stuff about, about that's good about Peter and how Peter's going to be used. And, and then three verses later, Peter says, um, when Jesus says he's going to suffer and die and he's going to suffer these things at the hands of the priest. Peter stands up and says, this will, none of this will ever happen to you, Lord. And here's what Jesus says to him. Get behind me, Satan. You have in mind the interests of man rather than the interests of God. So P Peter has seen this before. That one way that the demonic tries to get in is to put us at the center and our interests, and it becomes all about us. And this is Simon. It's all about his greatness, and he's been the hero for a long time, and, and now Jesus is the middle and not him, and he wants back in. And, and so he... he, he he offers money. I, I, want, I want to have what you have. You guys are getting attention. You guys are important. I want, I want to have that. And the, and the thing that he had been walking in before tried to re-grab and re-enslave him. This is one door of the demonic. Tom Alexander preached here last week. I was stunned by his preaching last week because I'm like, oh my, I'll be preaching part two of what he spoke about. But here's one thing that he said 
He made the distinction between manipulation and motivation. Motivation is when you are motivating someone for their good, for the good of everyone, because everybody can win in God's kingdom, because God loves everybody, and God's glory comes when, when we're for everybody. And he said, manipulation is when it's just all about you. It's about you being willing to do anything, make any compromise, run over anybody for your own agenda, for your own interest, that you are at the center of the story and, and your life is manipulating others. This is, uh, this is an entrance for the demonic. It is what I would call the mountain that has to be removed. John the Baptist said that he came to prepare the way of the Lord, to bring down the mountains of pride, and we'll talk about later, to raise up the valleys. Well, the mountain of pride is one way in. Ephesians 6, verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If we don't embrace the, the, the alternate reality, we will constantly be fighting in the wrong fight. We will constantly be fighting people. We'll be treating people as the enemy. We'll be treating the, our boss, our spouse, our, everybody that's in our way will be seen as our enemy. And the truth is, the real war is, 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 is not, they aren't the enemies. They're actually being used by the enemy. They're actually God's goal in redemption is to, to save them and to love them and to free them. But you, you, if, you get, if you don't accept the alternate reality, then this is what you're going to fight against. And you're going to be in the wrong battle. 2 Timothy 2.25 and 26. Opponents must be gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading them to a knowledge of the truth, and that they will come to their senses and escape from the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. We can be gentle. Why? Because something has to happen for them that we can't do for them. God has to do it. God has to grant them repentance. We can't, this isn't about winning an argument. This is not about, why don't you just listen to me? Why can't you, this is obviously right. No, be gentle. Be patient with those that are in opposition because something has to happen that only God can do. This is what Paul believed. And this is also what Peter believed. Peter says, you need to repent and ask for forgiveness if possible. What does that mean, if possible? It means this, that part of repentance is the grace of God doing something for you. The grace of God, the, the problem with the mountain of pride, of course, is you're blind to it. So grace has to actually show you what you need. And Simon says, you know, pray for me. If this is true, pray for me and, you know, cast it out or, or, or get me free from it. And no, 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 no. When this is in place, it's not going to work for us to just pray for you. Because God can be one more thing you're manipulating. 
God's go I'm going to work everything so that, including God, for my good. No, you're, go you're going to have to repent, and God needs to grant that repentance. Huh. Why is Peter so convinced of this? Well, you remember Peter's original name is Simon. He got, his name was changed to Peter. So, so here's a Simon confronting a Simon. So here's what Jesus says to Peter at the Last Supper. They are having a discussion. The apostles often went this way, of which one of them was going to be the greatest. Peter wins the argument. And of course, Jesus had said, you're, you know, you're going to be the rock, and da-da-da-da-da. And, and, uh, and, and here's what he, Peter said. Jesus says, you're all going to deny me. And Peter says this, they all might deny you, but I will die for you. And Jesus just shakes his head. Peter, you're going to deny me three times before the cock grows. Because Satan has tried to sift you like wheat. But I prayed for you that your faith will not fail. That after you've fallen away, that you will get back up and strengthen your brothers. Jesus, cast the demon out. Why don't you cast, if, there's, if the devil's got a plan against me, cast it out. Jesus is like, no, no, you're going to have to, you're going to have to see it and then you're going to have to repent. This, th this, this pride requires repentance. When you're a mountain, it requires repentance. And Peter sees his repentance and his restoration as the grace of God to him. God granted him repentance. And he says this word, if possible. I think he's probably thinking about Judas. And like, I don't know why Judas didn't make it, but Judas didn't make it. Judas, Judas sinned, and Judas ended up committing suicide, and Judas went the wrong way. And, and repentance. He saw his own repentance as being helped by the grace of God. And this is what he's offering to this man, is you're going to have to repent, and God's going to have to help you repent. Because you're not going to get free from this without repentance. The idea that somebody else is just going to do it for you, not going to happen. You're going to have to repent. Accepting an alternate reality. Point two, getting free from the demonic. So he says that uh, you are free. The literal is that you are bound by the bile, the, the, the gall of bitterness. And my ESV, the, the commentary on this word is, it's the word for um, a, a liquid that when your liver is damaged, it leaks this bile, it's called, into your system. It starts poisoning your whole body. And you are filled with a gall of bitterness. There is, the, something in you is leaking and it is defiling every part of your life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 and 15 um, says this, make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no 
bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. So the, when, when, when we fall short of the grace of God as believers and the enemy gets in, there is this bitterness that gets inside of us. It is like, uh, to, to liken it to your physical body, it's this poison that starts poisoning your whole body and it's like this root that, that is a defiling plant and everybody that eats your life gets defiled by it. And, and this, is, this is bitterness. So how does it work? I'm going to give you a parable that Jesus used to explain it, and then I'm going to give you an explanation that Paul gives for how it works. So Matthew 18 has this parable of a king who's got a servant that is in debt to him, and he's in debt to him millions and millions of dollars. The, 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 the language of the first century is 10,000 talents, which is an unbelievable amount. But it's, in, today's, in today's money, if it's, if it's silver, it would be millions. Talent is a weight. It would be millions of dollars if it was silver. And if it's gold, it would be billions of dollars. He's in horribly deep debt. And... Um, and he is commanded, the king in his justice commands him to be put in prison until his debt is paid. But if he's in prison, he can't pay back the debt, which means he'll be in prison the rest of his life. But this guy cries out for mercy. And the king feels compassion in his heart and decides to erase the entire debt and sets this debtor free. And he goes out in his freedom and he comes across somebody that owes him, in our, in our money, $100. He's just been forgiven millions or billions of dollars and now somebody owes him $100. And he says, pay me what you owe me. And this guy begs him for mercy and instead of giving mercy, he starts choking him. I have no idea why I'm laughing at that. That's, it's, it's a bad picture. But he's like, no, you will pay me. You will pay me now. And uh, the king finds out about this, becomes angry at the servant, and says, uh, bring him to me. Turn him over to the torturers. Okay, so if that's bad enough where it is, but at least it's just a parable. And then we have this horrible verse, 1835, Matthew 18:35. So will your heavenly Father treat you if you do not forgive your brother and your sister from your heart. Are you kidding me? You mean I have to actually forgive them? I can't, I can't just say I forgave them. I can't just say I'm a Christian, so of course I forgive, but in my, I have to do, I actually have to do this from my heart, or I'm going to be turned over to tormentors? Would God ever do that? Would the Father ever turn me over to torment? That doesn't sound like God. Well, it's not. It's not quite like that. So Paul explains how it works. Here's what he says. Ephesians chapter 4. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold. Another translation says an opportunity. Another translation says don't give the devil a place. So here's what God has set in motion. That 
We, we, we all experience anger. It's part of being in the image of God. When there's an injustice, there's, an, there's anger. When it's not fair, we become angry. Something is not right. And we are commanded by God to process that anger with him, to, to let him be the judge, to give away our anger and, 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 and forgive those who have hurt us and, and give judgment over to him. But when we decide that we're going to hold on to that anger, that it's not right, it wouldn't be right to let go of it. It wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be just to let go of it. They're not even sorry. They haven't done anything to make it right. And we, we give ourselves permission to hold on to that anger. And we let the sun set. So time has passed and I'm choosing to stay angry. You have just made a place for the devil to come into your life. That's the tormentors, our demons. It's the demonic. It's darkness. Well, Pastor Tom, I never invited the devil in my life. No, no, you didn't. This is how it works. This is just how it works. It's not that the Father, like, commanded the devil to torment you. You opened, you disobeyed God, and you opened up this place, and now you are living with the influence of demons. And let me tell you what that feels like. Horrible. Life is really hard. Life is really difficult. You're supposed to be free in Jesus, but you feel like you're walking in mud. You're still eating. You're still drinking. You're still planning. You're still going on vacation. You're still taking care of your kids. But everything's hard. Everything is difficult. Why? Because you're being tortured. You're living in torment. You're not living in freedom. Because something dark has a hold of you. Yet you're a believer. You love Jesus. You read the Bible. You got a worship CD on. But something, something is not right. And God wants us to live free from the demonic. So how does, what is the solution to this? Ephesians 4.32. So just a few verses later, here's what Paul says. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. So the first step is receiving God's forgiveness. If you don't do step one, you're never going to be able to do step two. Step one is receiving God's forgiveness in Christ. God had compassion on us. We all have a debt before God that's way bigger than we thought it was. God's way holier than we think. We're way more sinful than we think. Sin is not just your actions. It's your thoughts. It's your agendas. It's your... It's your there's, there's so much sin that all of us have been part of. The Bible says it this way, that even our righteous deeds are as filthy rags before God. So there's, there's a big debt that we have before God. Millions, billions of dollars, we could never repay it. If we got what we deserve, we would all be separated from God forever. But God has felt compassion for the human race. And in his compassion, he sent Christ to die in our place. And now in Christ... There is forgiveness of sins. But you have to receive that. So last week, Tom said this. Tom Alexander, he said this. If, if it's not logical, it's not human. 
That one, one way they discern whether there's a demonic influence, whether there's a lie being believed, is if, if people are doing something that is not logical, they're being motivated by something that's not human, other than themselves. And the proof text that he gave for this was Jesus saying, love your neighbor as you love yourself. That the way we are created, that all of us naturally are cheering for ourselves. Now, we already saw that one way the enemy gets in is this mountain where we become everything and we become the center, and that's called pride. But there's another entrance of the enemy. And that is when we believe in our hearts and our minds that, that we are excluded from the goodness of God. We are excluded from the forgiveness of Christ. We are excluded from God's blessing. And it, it seems really, really humble, but in our heart of hearts, we believe we have been so bad, we have been so dark, we have been so evil, that we don't, we don't deserve it. And so there's this, this it, it, and, and it's way more common than you think, where, where people literally believe the gospel for everyone else. They believe God's good to everybody else, that God can forgive everybody else, God can give everybody else a, a new beginning, even minister to others what God would say, but they can't get it for themselves. They can't receive it for themselves. In their mind, often, they believe in the goodness of God, and, and theoretically they should be, but in their hearts, they really believe they're excluded. And so they do really illogical things. Like if, if God tries to bring them into a, a relationship that's beautiful, that's to be the grace of God, they will cut that relationship off. If God tries to give them a promotion at work, they'll say no. If, 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 if somebody wants to bless them and comes alongside them and says, hey, I'd like to give you this, or I'd like to help you with this, or they say no. And, and it's illogical. You're, you're cheering against your Self. And of course, we've seen that it can end up in, in young girls cutting themselves or, or starving themselves. And, and this, it's illogical. It's like you should be, you gotta cheer for yourself. If you're, if you're not cheering for yourself, who's gonna cheer for you? So John the Baptist didn't just come to, to, to lower the mountains, but to, to lift up the valleys, to prepare them for the Lord. But it's, it's very interesting, the difference. Because to the mountain, you have to repent. You, you're not going to get free from it unless you repent. You can't be the middle. <laughs> Jesus has to be the middle. You've got to be saved from yourself. But for the valleys, the answer is believing. Pastor Tom, what? What do I need to believe? Okay, good, let's do that. Number one, to believe that even though you've been evil, even though you've done dark, that it has not changed God's love for you. That God still loves you. God still has his heart set on you. That's illogical. Yeah, it is. For human, this is not human love. This is supernatural love. God loves you. Even though you've sinned. Even though you've done evil. Even though you've been in darkness. Second, that you are of immense value to God. You, you, you determine the value of something by the price someone is willing to pay for it. He paid for you with his own blood. He came down. He chose to leave heaven rather than live without you. He came and he died on the cross for 
you, Pastor Tom, I don't, I don't think, maybe, maybe when I was a baby, maybe when I was a little kid, I remember when I was, when I was valuable, but I've been beaten up, I've been abused, I've abused myself, I've cut myself, I've done horrible things, certainly I have lost my value. Let me, let me ask you something. If, if I had a hundred dollar bill in my hand right now and I crumbled it up and I stepped on it and it got prints on it and got dark, would that still be worth a hundred dollars? Absolutely. Doesn't matter what's happened to your life. Your value has been set, not by other people, and you don't get to set your own value. God set this value on you. You are worth it. You are worth it. Jesus died for you. You need to believe that. And then there's this thing about believing that Christ died and he wants to forgive me of my sins. It seems so humble. Yeah, I, God can't forgive me. I've been so bad. I've done so many things. And, and somehow I am so horrible that Jesus Christ's death was not enough to forgive me. Friend, get over it. You're not that bad. You're not the worst thing that's ever happened. Jesus died for you, and he wants to forgive you. So all of this self-hatred, all of this stuff, it, the Bible says that the, 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 the devil came to kill, steal, and destroy. All it is, you think that it's of your own invention and your own humility that you're worse and you're bad and nobody can love you and you're worth nothing. You think it's of your own invention. It's not. You're just agreeing with a lie. You're being lied to by de demonic voices. We need you to get angry that you've been lied to. We need you to say, oh my, the root of all this stuff is I've just been believing a lie. And then to come in agreement, oh my, I am the beloved. <laughs> I can't figure out why. <laughs> why would God love somebody like me? I don't know, but he does. And he proved it by dying for me on the cross. And he wants to forgive me. And he wants to bless me. And he wants me to taste his goodness. And he wants to provide for me. And of course good things happen to me because I belong to him. And that's who he is. So that's, that's step one. If you don't get step one, step two is almost impossible. Step one is... Christ forgiving you, and then you can get to step two. Forgive one another as Christ has forgiven you. Now, on the basis of his generosity and grace toward you and forgiving you and dying in your place and bearing the greatest injustice of all time that someone perfect would die for someone sinful. Now, here's what I want you to do in response. I need you to forgive everybody that owes you $100. I want you, you yeah, you are hurt. Yeah, you did get hurt. Yeah, people did do you wrong. Yeah, people did betray you. Yeah, yeah, people did abuse you. Yeah, people did molest you. Yeah, people, and I, I've seen it all. I understand it all. And here's what I want you to do. Stop being the judge. Stop being the one that says, I was wronged, they did it, therefore I am going to execute the penalty. I'm going to hold on to this until justice comes. Well, A, you've probably learned this, you can't make other people pay. 
It, you, it, the person that actually did it usually never pays. It's usually the bitterness you have now. You make everybody pay for what they did to you. And God says this. For my sake, because I've forgiven you, I want you to forgive them. And let me be the judge. Let, I, I can actually make them pay. <laughs> In fact, I want you to turn judgment over to me, and then I want you to pray for them. That they don't get what's coming to them. That they will repent. That they will come down off that mountain of manipulation of th that they didn't care about you and they did abuse you and they did run over you. I, I'm the one. I'm the only one that can judge them. I'm the only one that can make them pay and I'm also the one that can grant them repentance. And I actually want you, partly to protect yourself, is to start praying for your enemies. I want you to bring that into the world. I want you to pray for your enemies instead of holding on to rage and anger and bitterness that's destroying your life. All right, so staying free. This is point three. Last point, we're almost done. Staying free from the demonic. So if you've been around here for a while, you've heard this story, I don't care. I like telling, I like telling stories. I've only got so many. We used to live in an old Victorian house when we were in Minnesota, and we had to get a new roof, and when we changed the roof, when we put the new roof on, the new shingling, um, there, were, there were leaks, and so we started experiencing problems with bats. If, there, I, if there's something more terrifying than have an animal get into your house and fly around, I call a bat like a rat with wings. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's terrifying. And, uh, and so we, we, we had a few bats in our, you know, we get them out, but, but, but I went to the phone book, and that was way back when, when there used to be phone books, and, it, and in the yellow pages, there was this guy in the neighboring city who called himself the Batman. <laughs> if, you're, if you're dealing with creatures of darkness, call the Batman. And, and under it, it said, guarantee. I will get rid of bats. You will not have a bat problem anymore. Guaranteed. And I'm like, I need to see this. So I, I bring over the Batman. And, uh, and, and he, he shows me his system. He's, he said, I'll, I'm going to go into the attic. I'm going to find all the holes that they're getting into. And I've got these little traps that will let bats get out at night, but it won't let them back in. And so he puts up all of his traps. And um, I just, I'm just feeling so good at night. I go to bed with peace that I'm not going to be troubled again. And um, as, as oftentimes happens, I will get very hot in the middle of the night, and I'll go downstairs and sleep on the couch. And, and so I had moved down to the couch, and I start having this dream. It's a horrible dream. There is a bat back in our house, and he's swooping everywhere, and, and the torment comes back, and all those things. Up, and I'm, and, and I, I wake up from this nightmare, and I'm just assuring myself, thank you, oh my, thank you. We, Batman came. It's, a, it's a, just a horrible dream. And then I look at our cat, and our cat's going like this. <laughs> it's not a dream. There's a bat swooping around. So you can imagine, when I got up the next morning, the first thing I did was call the Batman. I'm like, friend, uh, don't want to disappoint you. We had a bat last night. And he was so untroubled. And he, he says, oh, he says, don't, don't even worry about it. 
He says, um, when you kick bats out of a place, he said, they will surround that place for three days and try to get back in. And he said, he said, they simply found a hole that I hadn't plugged in. I'll come out today. We'll plug the rest of the holes. Did you know that Jesus said almost the identical thing in Luke chapter 11? He said, when, when a demon comes out of a person and the house remains empty, he will go out, he'll find his friends, and they will try to get back in. And the last state can be worse than the first. We have to fill the house. We have, to, we have to plug the holes. It's not enough to pastor get the demon out. The freedom team get the demon out. No, you're, well, okay, we will, but you're going to have to fill the holes. You're going to have to plug, plug the holes. Here's what Jesus said. You shall, this is John 8, 32. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. There are two words for know. One is gnosis, which just means know about, like the facts, like knowing trivia. You, can, you, can, you know what's true because you've memorized it or whatever. And there's a second know in Scripture, genosko, which is the word for intimacy. It's the word for experiential truth. It's, it's part of you. It's, it's not just truth as a concept. It's you become the truth. That's the word that's used here. That God is inviting us to become the truth, to encounter his truth, to fill our house up, which is our thoughts and our souls, with the nature of Christ, with the, the love of Christ, with, in every area of our life, that we would experience and know and be filled with truth, a place for his presence. Well, Pastor Tom, that, that's, that's going to take time. And I, I don't want demons. I don't want to be dealing with demons. So here's, here's, here's what we do. So I did a little research on what surgeons do when a liver is compromised and it's leaking this bile, this gall, into and poisoning your system. So here's what they do. They, they install a drain on the liver so that the poisonous stuff no longer goes into the other systems. And then they simply wait. The liver will heal itself. And as soon as it gets healed, you can take the drain out. So, here is the drain that God puts in. You and I standing in forgiveness. We are, we, Lord, I forgive them. Lord, I forgive them. You can do that today just by an act of your will. God, I forgive them. Now, that's an act of your will. But it doesn't automatically heal the wound that they've caused. So you, as long as there's still a wound there, you are vulnerable. All the enemy has to do is touch that thing and bring it back up, or somebody else does something similar, and it all comes back, and, and it easily re-enslaves. And so you have to put this drain in called forgiveness, because the idea that time will heal all wounds is a lie. That is not true. Time actually buries wounds. Here's what heals all wounds, the grace of God. Over time, if you, if you get the poison out and you keep the drain in place, the grace of God will heal you. There will come a day where you're not affected anymore. <laughs> the enemy simply has no place anymore. But you need to be healed by the grace of God. And until that happens, you're going to have to be vigilant. 
You're, you're going to have to forgive. You're going to have to stand against it. When a bat comes in, you're going to have to, to kick it out again and say, Jesus, heal me. We, uh, two things that we can do until the grace of God heals us. Number one, exercise our God-given authority. James 4, 7, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. God wants you to exercise his authority in Jesus' name over the demonic. The Bible says this is the first sign that follows believers. Mark 16, 17, in my name, these signs will follow. This is right from Jesus. These signs will follow those that believe. In my name, they will cast out demons. This is believers, not apostles, not prophets, not pastors, not believers. Every believer, well, I just believed yesterday. Yep, and you have authority in Jesus' name to cast out demons. He wants you to use that authority. I was with a young man this week. He's from another state. He was in town. He wanted to get together and pray, and, and he, uh, he, he's struggling with this thing, and, and he told me all the thing, and the voices that he's hearing, and the difficulties, and I said, bro, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take authority over that. We're going to get rid of that thing, and, and then you walk it on. He said, he said, Pastor Tom, do I always have to come to somebody like you, or somebody, does somebody else have to do this for me? Can I do it? I'm like, dude, you can do it. <laughs> you can do it. So what I did is, first I did it, and then I, ha I led him in a prayer for him to do it so that he could start exercising his own authority. If you want to see a movie on this whole topic, watch The War Room. Uh, I just thoroughly enjoyed this movie. And in it, um, Priscilla Shire, who's the main character, she's got this marriage that's falling apart. Her and her husband are both supposedly Christians, but he's, he's in darkness, and she's kind of lukewarm. And, um, but she gets paired up with this older saint that's just this prayer warrior, just boom, boom. And this prayer warrior takes her under her wing and shows her how to pray and said, you, you need to fight back. You're, get, you're getting defeated. The enemy's in. And, and, and so she shows her her prayer room and how to do this. So, so she goes home, and she sets up her own prayer room. And um, she has no idea how to do it, but she puts some verses up on the wall, and there's this one precious scene, and she's, she's reading John 10, 10. She said that's one of the scriptures she's got, that the thief is the one that came to kill, steal, and destroy, but Jesus came that I might have life and have it abundantly, and under it, it says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee, and so she, she says that to herself two more times. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And she takes this little time, she bows her head before God, and then she gets up and she walks out of that prayer room into the house. And she's just on fire. Devil! I know you're here! I don't know where you're hiding, but I know you're here! How would she know that he was here? Because she's been stolen from, she's, been, she's in the midst of being destructed, dis, dis, her marriage is being destroyed. The evidence that he's here, is there, even though we can't see him, the evidence that his influence is there, is there. So she's, she's on fire. Devil, get out of my house. I set this house apart for God. I set this house apart for the glory of God, for the work of God. I am drawing a line. Get out in Jesus' name. Pastor Tom, honestly, 
That sounds like crazy talk. Yep, that's why the church is defeated. Because we haven't really embraced the alternate reality. We really don't want to fight. We just want God to do it all for us. And um, uh, sorry, folks, there's a war going on. <laughs> and you, you, if, if you don't engage, you're just going to lose. We, we have to, you can't do the same thing and expect different results. At some point, you got to draw a line and say enough is enough. I am tired of the devil having way in my family, in my marriage, in my body, in my, uh, I'm drawing a line and devil, I don't know where you are because I can't see you, but I know you're operating because I can feel it. In Jesus' name, get out. Get out. God, I submit to you. Show me how to walk away from darkness. Show me how to fill the house. Show me how to live in your victory. So that's one. Exercise your God-given authority. And here's the second one. Think about what is redemptive and only pray for your enemies instead of trying to get back at them. Has anybody ever said this? Whenever I think, oh, the worship team can come. Um, whenever I think about that, I get angry. So here's, here's God's answer. Stop thinking about it. What, Philippians 4, 8, whatever, whatever is good, whatever is true, whatever is beautiful, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We, we don't deny the reality of evil in the world or sin in the world or what other people have done. We're certainly not trying to live in a bubble. We, we don't deny it, but we don't dwell on it. We dwell on what God is doing. Jesus dwelt on what the Father was doing. He said, I just do what the Father's doing. It's not that he didn't know that the devil was doing stuff and that people were doing stuff, he, but that wasn't what he dwelled on. He dwelled on the beauty of God and what God was doing. And, and instead of looking at the dirt, he saw the treasure and he would speak into it. And that's how God wants us to live. And then secondly, with this, don't freak out if you get re-enslaved. You're wounded. Devil's really good at what he does. He's been doing it for thousands of years. You've only been on the earth for a few decades. Be like the Batman. Oh, no big deal. Yep, he got back in. I'll, I'll come out. We'll plug that guy. In Jesus' name, devil, get out. I'm going to forgive again. And I'm going to keep that drain until I get totally. God, by your grace, I'm going to be healed of this.